It's Taste of Country Nights on Demand with Evan Paul, episode 61 with Thomas Rhett. Have you and your dad ever disagreed on whether a song was going to be a, a hit and then the song like blew up? Yeah, a couple times, I think. Um, I think like uh, Crash and Burn would have been the first one that my dad was like, I just think that's not a good idea. Um, and a lot of there's a lot of people that I trusted a lot that told me that was a terrible idea. And that I think that song kind of did something really big for me. I think it kind of separated me from, you know, a lot of folks um, as far as Elaine, Elaine goes. Um, but, but that one stands out in my head for sure that there was a lot of people that were like, hey, this could be like career, like destruction for you. And, uh, but looking back at it, I'm really glad that we released that song. I think it, I think it, it carved a lane for me. And he's one of country music's biggest superstars, Thomas Rhett. Took some time to sat down with us here on Taste of Country Nights On Demand. As usual, give us a like, a subscribe, a rating. It all helps us out. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. Uh, so let, let's talk about half of me. Um, in the song, you obviously list off your to-do things or you, you don't feel like things you don't feel like doing. What's currently on your to-do list other than that at your house? <laughs> Dude, the list just doesn't end. Like, I don't, I don't think I've changed any of our appliance filters since we moved into the house. So the ice <laughs> might not be super sanitary right now. Uh, so I need to change some filters. I need to or- organize my camouflage closet. It's kind of getting out of control. It, the, the list never stops, bro. Never stops. <laughs> uh, what are you currently working on music wise, man? I've written just a ton of songs on the road this year, uh, that I'm pumped about. You know, I've, I've been on the, on the road since May and just got done this past Saturday with this tour. And, uh, I'm going to take the next couple months and just kind of sift through everything that we wrote and like really get organized as to like what we're going to do next, you know? So this is kind of my favorite part of the process is kind of like weeding through all the songs that you write and trying to pick what, what, what the best songs are that go on the next project. So that's going to be the next couple months of my life that I'm pumped about. <laughs> um, and speaking of like tour, man, I've had multiple artists who've like opened up to me or have told me that they've opened up for you, that you're the real deal. You're always like full going. You're a class act as an artist, as a human. Connor Smith was the last one that was just, he was just going nuts about you, man. Can you, can you take yourself back to when you were coming up? Like how much of that mentorship, how much does that mean to a younger artist? Man, I think it means the world, you know, like I think, I think if you go on several tours where you weren't treated great, uh, I don't think you really know what it looks like to treat a crew great, you know, but fortunately for me, I, you know, getting to be on the Aldine tour and the Florida Georgia line tour, the Luke Bryan tour, I just got to see a bunch of how a bunch of different camps ran the organization, you know, and took a, took a lot of little things from each camp and, and tried to mold it into what we do. And, um, our goal every night, man, is for like the lo- local crew in those towns to say that we were the easiest people they've ever worked with. Like that's a, that's a big goal of mine to be, uh, you know, just not complicated, you know, and, and be super kind to everybody. And we try to treat our openers that way as well, you know, because I want them to take stuff that we do on the road with them. And, and hopefully, you know, the people that get to open them open up for them one day are saying the same thing about them. So we, we take a lot of pride in how we treat people and, and I uh, make, make sure that it's kind of just me casa, su casa, you know, whatever you need, whenever you need it, we got your back. So, uh, very, very kind of Connor to say that. Um, is there more pressure on you, like headlining now, knowing that they're all watching you at what, like when you were watching like Luke Bryan, like, or oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, especially, you know, you show up in some towns and, and you go, gosh, we haven't played here in like five years. Do they, do they like us? I can't remember, you know, 
And, uh, but you know what, man, you know, you're, the people that you bring with you are, are so much a part of how the show goes. You know what I mean? Like if your opener is great and your middle slot is great, like the night's going to rock, you know, like we know what we bring to the table, but if, if the two people before you are also just slaying it every night and, and the fans are loving it, then the energy in the room just, just can't be doused. You know, it's like, it's, it, it's just kind of the whole night is just a super high positive, positive experience. And so having Connor and Parker out this year was, it was just such a blast, man, two salt of the earth people, uh, going big places in, in our format and, uh, getting to watch them thrive over the entire year was, was pretty incredible. But yeah, there's, there's some pressure that you kind of learn to kind of just let it, let it slide off your back. And you know, that the people that came to that show are, are going to get a, a great experience. Um, Ernest was telling me that y'all were trying to write a Yellowstone song a while back. What, where is that? What, what's that? Uh, what's that sound like? Man, one of the many songs that we wrote this year, uh, I've gotten, gotten to love writing with Ernest. He's a, got a, such a unique mind, man. The way that he comes up with different phrasing, different cadence and lyrics, like truly is one of the best writers in Nashville. But yeah, we were, we were writing one day talking about how all the songs on Yellowstone have this vibe that just kind of entrance you into this like Montana, like lifestyle. And so we've, we've written a few that kind of feel that way. And, and, and hopefully they make it on a record at some point for sure. Um, are they on Yellowstone or have you turned them in? No, they're just demos, man. They're just like rough work tapes that, that we wrote in Nashville. Uh, but hopefully next year, man, we'll, we'll see that there's, there's been a lot of music created and I think it's just time to kind of figure out, you know, what, what, what are the best things to say on this next project? And maybe, maybe, maybe those are some of them. Who's your favorite character on Yellowstone? Rip. <laughs> I want to be Rip. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not as tough as Rip, but, you know, he's, he, I, I, I can aspire to something. Yeah, you got the girl dad vibe going, though, you know? That's right. What, what if they came to you and asked you to act? Would you, would you jump into that? That show, uh, I, would, I would play just about any role that they would ask me. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm becoming more of a horseman as my life goes on, but I, I'm not super knowledgeable, but I would learn everything I need to know about horses to get on that show. That's, that's where it's at. Okay. Um, last time I talked to you, you were telling me you may never play crash and burn live again. Cause your kids wore it out, uh, listening to it so much. Um, what are the, is there a Thomas Red song that they're wearing out nowadays that you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. There, there's one on, on my most current record called church boots that, that my two year old, it's like, it's like, we can't play anything else in the car except for that song. And like, she's two. So she kind of, you know, if she doesn't get what she wants, she throws kind of a fit. And so we end up <laughs> just playing that song on loop that I'm just kind of like, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. You know, that, that oh. one, that's, that's this year's song. Ours is uh, my kid's three. All she wants to hear is a thunder by Imagine Dragons. I've, oh, yeah. I've like listened to it a, a hundred times. I feel like I can break down the different parts of the percussion. 100%. Yeah. Dude. Dude, kids, it's amazing how much they just want to see and listen to the exact same stuff. <laughs> same thing. Um, if you were stranded on an island and you could only take one Thomas Rhett song, which one would it be? I was not prepared for this question. Um, I think. Uh, the song called blessed. It was on my last record. I think it's probably my favorite song I've, I've gotten to record. Um, it just feels timeless to me. It feels like something that if I was on a deserted Island, I could play it like once a week and I, it would get me through a couple of years. You know, that's fair. Um, any odd or funny stories of places you've heard one of your songs playing recently? Um, maybe not me personally, but I, I did, I saw like an Instagram video of somebody saying that, uh, they were listening to die happy man at a bar in, in Paris which Whoa. I thought was pretty strange. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe a Paris tour needs to happen. Yeah. 
Have y'all been over there? I've been to Paris, but I've, I've never, I've never played a show in Paris before, but that'd be, that'd be pretty sick. Okay. Uh, you just announced your 2023 tour. Um, are you going to be bringing the family with you or how does that look when you're on a big tour? They came out to a couple of shows this year. Um, but I don't know if your kids are in school, but school is kind of just taken over our entire existence. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, pulling, pulling a kid out of preschool is one thing, but pulling a kid out of first grade is like not smiled upon. It's like very frowned uh, upon. Okay. And so, um, they, they kind of come out at very weird times, but you know, next year there, there'll be a couple of days for all of them come out for sure. Like in the summertime. Okay. Um, let's see, you've had like, uh, 18, 17, 18, number one songs. Almost all of them have gone gold and platinum. You won all the big awards. You've sold out tours. Um, would you be willing to share like your most ambitious professional dream? Most ambitious professional dream. I don't know, man. Uh, I've, I feel very blessed in, in the things that we've gotten to accomplish. Um, but I guess if I had to pick one thing that we have not accomplished, I would love to uh, win al- album of the year would be like my, my big thing. I've been nominated for it, you know, a couple of times at the CMAs and the Grammys, but never won it. Um, I would love to create a record that just vibes so well with so many people that, uh, that that was up for consideration and would win one day. That would be a, that'd be a big dream of mine. Um, obviously your dad's a songwriter as well. Um, have you ever written a song that's so personal or has like a secret of yours on it that you were like nervous to share with your dad? Like, uh, man, I can't play him this. Cause it talks about that one time that the, you know, and not really, you know, I would say the most in depth I've ever written about my dad, we, we wrote it together, but it was called things dads do that came out last year. One of my favorite songs that him and I've gotten to write together and I got to make fun of him pretty good in that song. So, but at least I did it with him <laughs> instead of like writing it without him and playing it for him. So, yeah. Have you and your dad ever disagreed on whether a song was going to be a, a hit and then the song like blew up? Yeah. A couple times. I think, um, I think like uh, crash and burn would have been the first one that my dad was like, I just think that's not a good idea. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of people that I trusted a lot that told me that was a terrible idea. And that, I think that song kind of did something really big for me. I think it kind of separated me from, you know, a lot of folks, um, as far as Elaine, Elaine goes. Um, but, but that one stands out in my head for sure that there was a lot of people that were like, Hey, this could be like career, like destruction for you. And, uh, but looking back at it, I'm really glad that we released that song. I think it, I think it, it carved Elaine for me. So if you and your dad are in the car and you're just riding and that song just comes on, what would happen? Would you guys just look at each other and laugh? I think it's just probably one of those times where your dad goes, I think I'm glad you trusted your gut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of trusting your gut, we heard a rumor that uh, you had the Chris Stapleton song, you should probably leave, but never recorded that. Is that true? Yeah, man. I I think it was like three years ago that, I don't, I don't remember if Chris sent me that or if Ashley did, but my buddy Ashley Gorley wrote that song with Chris. And I remember I had it on hold uh, for a couple months and then for some reason didn't record it. And I remember when it came out on Stapleton's record, I was like, this is where it should have been the whole time. I would have not have, I would not have done that song justice like Chris did. Um, Blake Shelton's leaving the voice. Who in country music do you think could take his seat? Yeah, it's like hard to even imagine anyone else in that chair. You know, I, I guess I would have said Luke, but Luke's doing, you know, American Idol. Um, Keith's doing American Idol. Uh, I don't know, man. Is that a Thomas thing? Is that a Thomas thing? For me to do the voice? Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, that'd be, that'd be super fun. I, I, you know, but you know, I don't know that I would be able to handle the comments every night of being like, get Blake back on the show. You know, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that anybody, I don't know that anybody has more wit uh, live than Blake Shelton does, but yeah, that would, that would be a, that would be a blast for sure. Is there ever um, like a high profile TV or something similar that you've passed on? You know, I've, I've been asked to read a few scripts, uh, you know, for a couple of TV shows and um, a couple of movies uh, that I would have loved to have done. Uh, but a lot of the time, you know, when you're filming like a decently big role for a film, you got to be somewhere for like three months straight, like Canada or Atlanta or LA. And we're usually always on the road. And so unfortunately I've had to pass on a lot of uh, TV and movie stuff, but I do think there's going to come a time in my life, you know, maybe in the next five years where I might not do as many dates in a year and really just try to read scripts and, and audition for c- certain things. Cause I've always had a big desire to act um, in some capacity. So maybe one day. Uh, congrats on 10 years of marriage. Um, are you and Lauren gifters? Gifters. Yes. What, uh, can you share the gifts on this one? Well, yours is uh, diamonds. And so I, I bought Lauren a, uh, a ring that had quite a few diamonds on it. And, uh, and for me, like I, I can never compare to her creativity. She made me this giant book that literally went back through the years of every year that we were married, every year we were married, and each year came with its own gift. And so like for year 10, she bought me a horse saddle. Uh, and like, we, we just got a few horses at, at the farm. And so she bought me my own saddle, which was, which was really cool. So she's just like, she goes really ham on gifts and, uh, I'm not the best gift giver. So I just, I just went with a diamond diamond on a ring. So, and finally, one last question. Um, what's a nickname that only your family calls you? Uh, TR or like my, my, my old high school buddies call me Tom, uh, which I haven't gone by Tom since high school. And I, I hate it to be honest with you, but uh, I can hear it from certain people. But when other people call me Tom, I'm like, it's not my name. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Uh, we're loving half of me, man. That's a good song. We're playing it. Let's get it to number one, baby. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Have a good one. See ya. All right, we'll bring in Billy Dukes here from behind the scenes. This one was, uh, you weren't here to operate the camera, man, so you had to watch it afterwards, huh? Yeah, I think you broke a little news uh, on this one. What do you got? Well, okay, so you broke some real news, I think, but then you broke some news that Taste of Country just kind of really enjoys making into a bigger story. And, and, <laughs> okay. and, and that story is the engagement or the um, wedding anniversary gifts. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, I like how he did the typical guy thing where it's like, oh, man, it's a diamond anniversary. I'm going to go get her a diamond. Yeah, and she just overwhelmed him with this whole scrapbook that she (laughs) spent hours on. (laughs) Okay, so the thing I didn't understand was in the scrapbook, did did Lauren give him a new gift for every year they were married? Or did she show a picture of the gift she got him every year? I think the latter. I don't think he got like 10 gifts for their 10th anniversary. Okay. Okay. So, so that means that like, cause as a guy, like I don't, I can't keep track of what I got my wife every year for the anniversary. Like Lauren kept track of all the gifts, made a scrapbook, did the whole deal. Right. And he, uh, you know, he did the guy thing, but he's got some money. So he was able to get a big diamond probably. So I would like to argue with one point he made. He said that the 10-year anniversary is the diamond anniversary. I don't think that's the case. I think that, I mean, according to the internet, that's the 60 or the 75-year anniversary is the diamond. 
Maybe they're he's getting diamonds at ten. I I really under underachieved. Wow. Yeah. Maybe he's in. Maybe they're in dog years because that would make sense. What's the traditional ten year anniversary gift? Like a bag of garlic, sure. tin or aluminum, according to brides dot com. Oh, there you go, I man. I would I would have made a ring out of tin foil. <laughs> that would have been my move. The other, the other news that you broke was that he's uh, getting into acting. He really wants to get into the acting world in the next five years or so. Yeah, I found that um, a, a good question to ask every country artist is about if they would act in Yellowstone. Because mm-hmm. I think after Lainey Wilson's kind of paving the way, I think it's a, it's a perfect fit. I mean, we just had Randy Hauser uh, stop by, and I think he would be a perfect fit. Thomas would be a great fit. Well, and we have Trace Atkins currently. He's on Monarch on Fox. Yeah. Another artist who's made that jump. And he's probably made the jump to the highest level in recent years anyway. I can't think of anybody who's been in bigger productions than Trace lately. Yeah, and I I think that's the the future. Like, if you want an authentic person and a country character, you know, why not tap into country music artists? Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, TR to me is... This goes to your album of the year question, which I find it really interesting that that's sort of what he wants more than anything is to win the album of the year award at the CMAs or ACMs. He makes good albums. I have to say that. I mean, there there are artists out there who don't necessarily make albums for the sake of the album. They just kind of cobble some songs together and put that out. Thomas has always made really strong albums, but he's at this really interesting pivot point in his career where he kind of started as like this guy who is really progressive and pop friendly with songs like Make Me Wanna and... Um, uh, some of the songs off the Tangled Up album. But now he's trying to be more of a country traditionalist with some of his later music. Like, I don't know how you make that pivot. I'm really fascinated to watch him try it over the next few years. Yeah, well, I think um, songs like Country Again, I think, uh, are a start. I don't know. I, I thought that his last album had a little bit. I think if he turns it slowly and kind of meshes the two. Um, but don't a lot of country artists do that? Like, once they get... Yeah. More like on their own label or more, you know, don't they um, kind of feel the freedom to get back to wherever they came from? Yeah. I mean, I chatted with, about this with Russell Dickerson um, a couple of weeks back. Like an artist, once they get to like album two or three or maybe even album four, will either throttle down on being like the progressive. And I think that's where Russell Dickerson is. Or they'll do this return to the roots kind of thing. That if done wrong, sounds like you're apologizing for everything that you've put out previously. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I think Thomas Rhett has done it right so far. Like I said, his albums are really good. But the Katy Perry performance at the CMAs and that song kind of is a head scratcher to me because that's like back to who he was again. And I, I don't know. It's a, a curious thing. That is, yeah. I mean, he almost would need like a collaboration with like George Strait to pull back after the Katy Perry one. Yeah, or like a Reba, or maybe one of those artists that are kind of like like Patty Loveless was just in the CMAs. It'd be but cool didn't he? I mean, he had a Reba collab, didn't he? He did. He did um, the song that was during the pandemic. Yeah, uh, I can't. Re- I can't recall anything from the pandemic. I know. Uh, what titles. was it? Six feet away or uh, Hope or No? Yeah, six feet away was Tyler Hubbard and Tim McGraw. It Wear a mask. Yeah. Probably had to do with pray or God. Yeah, yeah. Heaven, heaven, something like heaven. Something along those but, lines. But, I mean, is what are his roots? Because, I mean, doesn't he openly yeah. say that he is a hip-hop or has those influences of pop and hip-hop? And I think, so. yeah, I think he is really sort of multi-genre. 
growing up, like his dad was this traditional country songwriter, but he grew up a lot more listening to whatever was on the radio at the time and, and then his own tastes. So I don't know, to some extent, he might be kind of figuring that out again. Like it was really clear who Thomas Rhett was, his first two albums. Then it got a little foggy, and now we're seeing this new Thomas Rhett where it's really clear he wants to be rooted in more of a traditional country sound with a little bit of a pop edge. Um, that's where I kind of think he is at the moment. But, it, you know, it's it's an evolution. Yeah, these are the guys that are going to be paving the way for, you know, when our kids are like, you know, in the 2020s, country kind of made an evolution back, change back to this, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Um and we've talked to some other artists about that kind of recently, too, about where country has gone and where it's headed. And I don't know, sometimes those conversations can get really long and boring and people just say sort of the same things. It's headed wherever it's headed. Yeah, no, no. no one knows. You no. know, it's uh, it doesn't matter. You could put out, you know, any you could the whole genre could change the way it sounds and people might not listen and like it. And it won't head in that direction. It's just it's all about, I think, what people consume and want to hear. But people don't know what they want to hear. No, this is true. Uh, thanks for asking about Yellowstone, by the way. So some full disclosure here. <laughs> Evan is, so if you ever hear Evan ask about Yellowstone, it's because I pumped him with a Yellowstone or two questions. I have no clue. He has no clue about the uh, show at all. So Yellowstone is, in the beginning, I was like, ah, I, I just, I'm not into like that kind of TV per se, like Western stuff. But now it's to the point where... I'm just trying to defy popularity. Oh, right. So now it's made the switch of like before it was like, oh, I've seen, I've heard about Yellowstone. Cool. Just nah, I'm just yeah. not into it. Like I haven't watched the Sopranos. I haven't, I'm that guy that if I don't see it, once it catches on, like now I, I can't watch Yellowstone because I don't, I don't want to because everyone is. Were you the last person to get an iPhone for that reason? Yes. Yeah. My wife called, she used to call me Sammy Samsung (laughs) because everything I had was Samsung and I didn't want to make the switch over. So like, I'm that guy. I don't know why, but yeah. What do you rock now? Do you have the iPhone? Oh yeah, of course. Newest model probably? No, like the 12 or something. Ah, 12 is pretty dang new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, once, yeah. This thing. It's an eight. I think I got an eight. Oh, you, yeah. Billy still has a home button. Yes, I do. What is that? What is what does your phone not have that mine does? No, you just look at it and it opens on mine. Oh no no no! Mine doesn't have the facial recognition. Really? Yeah, I just look oh, at it. Oh, costs too much. Oh uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. You'd yeah, be surprised. no no no! I mean, they came up for renewal here. They're like, you can get an eight for two hundred bucks, or you can get a ten for five hundred and ninety nine dollars. Will you lease them? We're gonna see about that eight. You don't lease it. I'm not leasing my phone. Oh, yeah, you lease it. So mine's like $20, $27 a month. It's added into the phone bill. And then that's ridiculous. I upgrade it whenever, but I don't have to, I don't pay for it. I don't, you pay. do pay for it. Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, I don't want the old phone. What am I going to do with the old phone? I give it back. Leasing a phone. <laughs> You're a grown man. Just throw down a couple hundred dollars and buy the phone. You make a good paycheck here at Taste of Country. We're paying you. You have How nice, did we get into this conversation. You have nice things. <laughs> Act like an adult and buy your phone. I'm leasing a new phone, and then, but Billy owns his. He's got the home button, and he owns it. I do. Uh, the last thing I wanted to get to was you asked about the Stapleton song, which was great trivia. Who told us that, though, that Stapleton, um, the, the, the You Should Probably Leave song. I don't know. It was almost Thomas Wright. It was an artist that came and told us that. That's why we asked T.R. about it. 
It was like Nate Smith or like Ernest or, or one of those artists. I'm seeing a big puffy I think white Nate guy. Nate Smith. Or, or Breland maybe, which is not Nate Smith. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. It was someone else that had it. It might have been Nate Smith who said he had it like years ago. I don't know. The reason I bring this up is it's really interesting to me. Like every time Chris Stapleton comes out with new songs, it's just songs that he wrote five or ten years ago. Like I'm not sure he's released a song that he's written (laughs) since like the Obama era. (laughs) But they still all work. They still all work. Well, (laughs) Sam Hunt really pulled back the cover on that when he told me that he's five years behind on writing. You know, so he's writing about things that happened three years ago. Then it takes. It takes two years to make it. So, yeah, maybe Stapleton, you know, and I don't know, maybe he'll be talking about facial recognition on iPhones in in five years when it's already a big thing. (laughs) He's going to release a song that talks about the Nextel push to connect, direct connect button. (laughs) I just just think all artists are that far behind, and that says a lot about the songs. They're timeless. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned Sam. we have all these interviews from CMA Radio Row that are like three minutes long, and we have nothing to do with them. <laughs> like, yeah. you'll never hear them on this podcast, yeah. but you talked to, like, Aldine and Luke Combs and Sam Hunt. Like, somehow we just, if we could cobble them together. Well, maybe we just put them all together and make it a podcast of CMA interviews. Just quick know? hitters. Boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down the run. I mean, maybe down. that's the next podcast. <laughs> We'll figure that out. In well, we the run meantime, out of guests. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you listening to Taste of Country Nights on demand. Go ahead and give us a like, a subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us out. And this podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.